0: John Flynn of Hollow Heart is here with the antidote. John, it's awesome to have you meeting Chris, with us. Thanks for having me. How about giving us the background on how Hollow Heart came to be?
1: Um, we were actually, the four of us, uh, myself, uh, Jeff Zielman, Chris Gobin, and Chris Hammond were in another band. In mid studio, uh, we lost our vocalists. You know, we had a whole album of uh, instrumental tracks that were recorded uh, now with no vocalists. So uh, we finished it up. We went back home. I contacted a couple friends. And Josh Miller had been in different bands around St. Louis as well. His band had actually just broken up. So I got a hold of him. And I mean, we got back together within like a month, changed names to Hollow Heart. And uh, I mean, it's been a way better dynamic since then. So really, we've been jamming for a long time. We just kind of didn't really push towards a career until about last year.
0: So what about the members of Hollow Heart? What kind of bands were you guys involved with in the past?
1: Um, well, in high school, me and Jeff were always in like punk rock bands. Um, Chris Goblin was in like a hard rock band for a while. Chris Hammond was kind of in a, a Bullet For My Valentine-esque. And uh, Josh Miller was probably the one who played the closest to Hollow Hearts material. Uh, but the four of us all played in actually a Christian metal band on Redcord before uh, the split.
0: And who was that?
1: Uh, Seldon, actually. It was, it, was a, it was a band called Seldon. We had all joined a couple of years into their career already. So it was, it, was, it was strange circumstances. We all gelled really well, but we felt like outsiders to uh, the vocalist's image and their idea of where the band should go. So with Josh Miller, it's more of a, a centralized idea. Like no one feels like an outsider anymore
0: we got to talk about the name of the band. I mean, I looked up the term hollow heart online and I found a description saying that it describes someone being insecure, deceitful, not sound and true, uh, having a decayed spot within. But I mean, I really don't think that's the intent of your music. So what's your definition of hollow heart?
1: Uh, you know, we we kind of liked the name before we figured out why we wanted it. And my thought process was behind it, was that we all l- were looking for something better. We were all kind of empty, and everyone's kind of, they have this hollow heart that they need to fill with something to feel whole. Um, and, like, different band members, it's different facets. For me, it's it's religion, and, I mean, it could be anything, anything that you fill your heart with to move along in life. So... Um, We mulled over names for like a couple months. It was the hardest thing we've ever had to think of as a group and that was the one that stuck. Chris Hammond was looking over some like poetry or something just for material to work with. And uh, I think we all liked it for different reasons.
0: So do you think the name really does apply to your music?
1: I mean, probably not by your definition. I I think there's a lot of our music is about finding what makes you work, what moves you. So, I guess more along the lines of my definition, but uh, we never were an angry band, for the most part.
0: Hollow Heart has just released your debut album, The Separation. It's unusual to hear a debut album with that much depth, so I was really surprised by the release. But what were you striving for with the album?
1: Um, honestly, the, the writing process was a little—it was a little spotty. It it wasn't as uh, focused on one sound as we liked, but really lyrically, I think it, it's a lot more uh, put together. For the writing process, we really just explored all of our different influences in different kinds of metal. I mean, it's all metal, but there's you know there's, there's some progressive in it. Uh, there's a little bit of like deathcore in it. It kind of spans over many many different facets of metalcore.
0: Okay, I hate asking who influences a band, but who does grab your attention? Like why bring in those other influences?
1: Um, Mostly because it it makes us write something different. I think if we all picked one band that we would sound like, we would end up sounding too much like them. I think maybe that's one of our um, weaknesses as, as musicians is that we'll start to write a riff and we'll be like, Oh, that sounds exactly like our favorite band. So, I'm the progressive metal guy in the band. I'm all into like Between the Buried and Me and Protest the Hero and Coheating and Cambria. But uh, Chris Hammond's like really into Parkway Drive, which is a little bit closer to us. Josh Miller gets all of his vocal influence from Telly Smith from The World Alive. I mean, Jeff's really into uh, Mark Castillo. Um, so, I mean, all the influences are from metal. They're just kind of different kinds of metal.
0: Do you find that metal gets stagnant? I think it
1: it goes back to the way you write it. I mean, again, for us, if we were to just pick one influence and write like that, it would probably get stagnant after a while. I think everyone tries to change it up. And, you know, of course, there's this toss-up between having a fan base and the fan base wanting you to sound a certain way. But if you sound too similar, they start to hate
0: it. Between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, it's a fine line, for sure so you guys are going to be the innovators then um i don't know if we're really pushing
1: to be the innovators i think that's kind of a daunting task to come out and say you know we want to be the innovators of metal i feel like maybe that would make us seem like we think too highly of ourselves but we definitely wanted to take a different approach than what's already going on i don't I don't really know how to explain it <laughs> that's actually a tough one I, d- I definitely don't want to say that we strive to be the innovators of metal because I don't feel like we're at that point yet, but I mean, eventually, I would like to say that we have a very unique sound in doing it in a way that no one else does. And I think that's the goal for a lot of musicians: is to have you can you can hear their music and know who it is.
0: Okay, so if we're looking at it from that aspect, who in the realm of metal is an innovator now? For for me
1: personally, it's it's been all about. Uh, Progressive music again that but that's just my bias One album that I really loved from I think it was last year uh, Bring me the horizon just came out with Semp eternal. It's a huge step away from their usual Music and I I loved what they were doing with the record. It was There was some ambient noise to it and they they were just doing something different with the genre that they were used to so those guys have, have kind of stepped into innovation in a huge way. Um, I know, like, we're actually playing a show with, like, Moss to Flames, and they just had a new album that's been really fantastic. Um, there was one other. In Heart's Wake has a lot of new material, and it's focused around the rhythm, but the rhythm is really groovy. It's it's really kind of big, and it's still bouncy, but it they, they have a unique way of going about it that makes them sound really great. I don't know what it is exactly about them that I like so much, but their new material is just awesome. It's incredible. Do
0: you find that's too often the case with a band that they just do a clone of their previous album without stretching their boundaries?
1: Um, I mean, a lot of the times, yeah, you'll see it happen. Whether they intend it to be that way or not, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously they have to work with producers and, and know what their sound is and what people like about them. But maybe sometimes they get too caught up in, in that aspect. They, they see, oh, well, people really like this sound, so we should do it again. One good example for me has been uh, Mastodon. Every record you hear, you, you say, yeah, that's, that's definitely Mastodon. But none of the records sound similar in any way. They managed to keep the things that made them Mastodon, but switch up everything else.
0: I understand that your debut album, *The Separation*, isn't necessarily a concept album, but it does carry a theme.
1: Uh, it definitely does. There, it was written to be a concept album, but it was too loose to really tell like a specific story. We just kind of wrote around the idea of what, sep- what separates people from how they go about life. You know, one of the songs is about drug addiction. You know, what separates a person from a normal life to drug addiction or drug addiction to rehab. Spitting Image talks a lot about personal identity and what separates someone from thinking that they're attractive or that they're ugly or what separates them from being conformist or nonconformist. conformist it, it touches a lot on social commentary of how people are treated and what, it, what happens
0: to them. Well, one that grabbed my attention was the opening song on the album, The Honest, The Loyal. It's got lyrics that read, over and over, I'm being broken down by the wicked world, within a life confined to the words that I speak to myself. But John, what about that on a personal level? How much do you find the world controlling you?
1: Uh, you know, it wasn't until maybe two years ago that I wanted to be an individual. I tried so hard high school and the first two years after high school to like try to fit in with somebody and kind of feel accepted because I was like, you know, I was a total dork in high school. So I spent a long time trying to, you know, dress accordingly to my friend group and kind of fall into these categories. You know, I was, I was doing some drugs for a while and just doing all the stupid stuff. And uh, it wasn't until like two years ago when I actually started playing, you know, music centered around a career that I really wanted to be, you know, I want to have my own identity. I wanted to, people to know John Flynn. As John Flynn, that bearded guy, like he's, you know who he is.
0: Yeah, it's the big bearded guy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I I pick up all the beard for the rest of
0: the band. <laughs> <laughs> so it's music that's changed you from being from being the dork, as you said.
1: Yeah, actually, um, that kind of it changed everything. I I started playing music and discovered that not only did I really like it, and I was. Fairly good at it, but I met way cooler people like myself already playing music than I ever knew. And after high school, at this point, I I don't really talk to anybody that I went to high school with, I, besides Jeff. I went to I went I don't even talk to him.
0: Wouldn't everybody realistically look back on their teenage years or high school years and say, "Yeah, I was a dork"? And oh
1: yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> I think everybody just wanted to fit in with the crowd right
1: but I, I mean i really struggled with a lot of uh a lot of identity stuff and i, I you know a lot of teenagers go through it, but i that's just where kind of i derived all of this uh concept from was ways that i felt growing up and things that i dealt with and that other band members have dealt with that changed who i am and who
0: we are well because as you mentioned spinning image right related to that directly
1: and that's that's definitely something everyone can empathize with is, uh, you know, looking in the mirror and being like, you know, who is this? Who are you? Who do you want to be? Who do you look like? Who do you think you should look like? And these are all, you know, these are all questions and, you know, we reflect upon And a mirror literally reflects who we are on the surface.
0: The antidote is here with John Flynn of hollow heart. John, I was surprised to find an acoustic track skull and steel on the separation. I mean, it's a little out of character with the rest of the album. So why did you choose to include it? Um,
1: well, it actually wasn't going to make it onto the album. I I had written it uh, just for filler. And when all was said and done, we didn't have enough material to make it an LP. And I, I had written it as part of the concept already. And we sat down with the producer and I said, well, we have this acoustic song that we can do. Uh, I've got it written out. It was actually a really short recording process for Skull and Steel. I we sat down, um, recorded some, the main lick at the beginning, I had written, but all the chords we rewrote. Uh, I improvised that acoustic little soloy thing, and uh, all of the vocal melodies were improvised. I would do a take. He said, "I like this. I like this. Do it again," and then we do it again. That was a take.
0: That's brutal.
1: <laughs> so I my voice was already wearing down. I had like. Two shots of tequila in me, and I'm trying to improv all of these vocal melodies, and it was strange. I really enjoy how it came out, but it really originally was not going to be on the record. And I, I really actually kind of like it on there. I think it, it again, there's a lot of diversity to it. But there was when we first wrote all this music, I, I even I had no intention of putting it on the
0: album. But it's an attention getter because it is a break from the rest of the album.
1: Yeah, and it also it comes right before arguably the heaviest song on the album. And I think there's this weird suspense. The, the contrast between Stolen Steel and Oathkeeper is so big that oh, it makes Oathkeeper so much more satisfying.
0: Well, I was going to be bringing us up something else, and I totally forgot what I was going to ask now. <laughs> I have these long days.
1: Man, I feel you. We have band practice on Sunday, and uh, it's like, you worked up this whole sweat, and then we sit down. And it's like, okay, time to talk business. No one wants to talk business because we all just want to go home and shower and sleep, and we're all gross and sweaty. And it's like, man, this this day is not going to end ever.
0: That <laughs> seems to be almost all of my days. You know, you sort of start at 7 in the morning. If I finish by 2 in the morning, I'm doing pretty well.
1: <laughs> I actually work two jobs right now, and um, I go into one job at 3, and get off at 9 p.m., Mm-hmm. going to another job at 11 p.m. and work till 7 a.m. So I'm all about the grind, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. I'd love to hear more about the album's title track, The Separation. Now, I hope you're not going to be offended if I call it a gorgeous song, because it really is, I mean, both musically and lyrically. How about giving us the story on this track?
1: Uh, the, the story on that one, actually, uh, that was the probably one of the last songs we wrote and it it was clearly written to be the the last song in the album. It has this nice big orchestral feel to it. It fades out really well, and uh, I mean it's just kind of it's just kind of a jam. We had these chords and this lead line. Um, it's like the same root notes the whole song. I actually built the riff on bass uh, around the chord progression and moved on from there. It was it was a quick process. Lyrically, I it's one of my favorites it has a lot to do with in the band in, in the in and outs of the band and when um, when the vocalists quit um and there was th- there was this huge shift in uh, religious faith because i you know i was i was a long time church goer and um suddenly there was this weird like loss i guess me personally there i was very lost where i stood with my faith still mm-hmm. and Lyrically, it's one of the strongest songs on the album, just because it kind of—it's kind of a cliffhanger ending. Of everything else has been resolved, but after writing this record, I still felt kind of lost. It resolved everything else except this one thing that I still felt kind of separated on.
0: And this was your resolution.
1: It helped. Um, after I wrote that, I, I felt a little bit more satisfied, and I felt like I could move forward. It—I um, don't really know. It's—it's it's very therapeutic. Writing something like that. Because it it makes you vulnerable. No one really wants to admit if they've been a a bad Christian or a doubting Christian or a lost Christian. But it feels good to admit so you can move on after that.
0: We have a widely diverse mix of Christians that that are on this show. And it's (laughs) true because so often Christians want to have this perfect look. Yeah. We're not perfect people. Right. No, definitely. But often Christians want to cast that off as saying, look at me, my life is just great. And it's not, you know, nobody's life is perfect. No, for sure. Christ was perfect, but certainly we as people are not. And I think it's that honesty that really draws people attention.
1: It, um, one of the main things about the separation was, and even in faith, honesty is a huge, huge thing. Mm-hmm. And it was being honest with yourself and being honest with other people which is something that a lot of people miss they take christianity at face value and they say okay i I read my bible every day so i must be i must be pretty good when it comes down to it you got to be honest about the hard stuff for me the hardest thing was where am i at with my faith that was the most honest i could
0: get so much of music produced by christians they don't want to relate to the difficult topics
1: no one you never want to it's so hard you don't want to step on anyone's toes Um, when you you really delve into the the Christian music scene, you're trying so hard not to offend anybody because you got this target painted on your back, and as soon as you slip up, someone's going to be like, well, they're not real Christians, so
0: don't buy the records. I know, but again, that's pathetic. Sorry, I'm a very opinionated person. Oh, me too, man. (laughs) This is good because a lot of people aren't doing, they just don't want to be honest. So I appreciate this from you. (laughs) because <laughs> I, I hate the artificiality. The guy's best thing about he loves just going after shows, just going out and just having a blast with his buddies at the bar and having a drink, and it's like, yeah, I'm good with that. You know, that's fine with me.
1: I mean, we all have a couple beers at band practice. It's, it's a time to, um, I mean, you work hard, but it's a it's time to relax. It's, it's our day off. Everyone has the day off from work. It's a time to get together with the bros, have a few beers, throw the football barbecue. I mean, it's, you know, it's laid back.
0: What about the rest of the album? Like, have you got a particular favorite, one song that stands out for you, or was it The Separation? Um,
1: really, The Honest The Loyal is probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite. I just, it's really fun to perform. It's got it's got this nice little bass groove going on in the beginning, and um, just all the riffs just feel really good. It's fun to, just, it's mostly for me just performing it. It's my favorite to perform. Also, Oathkeeper. I don't have to sing in that one, <laughs> and that's a good thing. Well, it's 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 my time to take a break from singing uh, live, and I can really kind of let loose and get a little bit angrier on stage during that. Again, there's there's a nice bass groove in there, and it, it just kind of feels good. I love I love all these weird sounds that are going on. There's a lot of uh, not feed. Well, there's some feedback, but there's a lot of scraping and a lot of just really nasty noises going on in that song.
0: Now, John, you aren't fitting the mold because it's almost supposed to be the bass player that's the forgettable character in the band.
1: I kind of screwed it up for everybody because i I sit down and i push it to write all this music and I'm, I'm pushing all these lyrics on the guys and I'm the one doing the radio interview. And <laughs> they're, all, they're all kind of, you know, I feel like the lead guitarist and the, the vocalist should have been here, but uh, they both had to work. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I mean I you know, I play I play guitar and I play drums a little bit and I play bass and I sing and my voice cracks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the bass is your dedicated instrument.
1: Yeah. I I've been playing bass since I was like thirteen. I went to a friend's band practice and they're like, We need a bass player. And they had a bass, but no one was playing it. And they handed it to me and they're like, play this. I'm like, dude, I don't I don't know how I can't even play like a rubber band. Like, don't give me this. And he's like, Okay Take the bass. I took it. He's like, plug a string, plug a string. He's like, cool. You're a bassist. <laughs> oh oh that was, no, that was that was it.
0: Don't admit that. You're just supposed to say I was destined to be a bass player. Man, I have tiny
1: hands. I was not destined to be a bass player.
0: <laughs> but seriously, anything with a great bass line, I am so in for that.
1: That's some. That's something that a lot of uh, a lot of metal lacks.
0: I mean, I'm not saying that all metal bassists are
1: bad but a lot of compositions don't revolve around having a good line, and they don't, they don't really let the guy just a little bit.
0: Because nowadays it's out of character.
1: You know, I, I grew up on Coheed and Cambria and that's like my all time favorite basis just because you see him doing these root notes and then every now and then he'll just let loose this massive run. You can it just like, it cuts out of the mix. It's real clear and you hear it and you're just like, man, that was awesome. And when do you get to do that? Um, uh, the honest, the loyal. You got that that nice little uh, drum and bass, do 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 And that that was just kind of something we were screwing around with me and Jeff because I've I've been jamming with Jeff for a long time and we kind of know when something clicks. He played that drum part and I I did the uh, the little bass groove and he kind of did this smile and I did this laugh and we all started yelling. Everyone in the, everyone in the band was yelling for no reason. We were all excited about how cool it was <laughs> and it's like two notes. <laughs>
0: Okay, here's a final thought, John. What impression does Hollow Heart want to leave with their listeners?
1: Ooh, the tough question. Um, you know, it goes back to honesty. We wanted we wanted to make something honest that was really us and really like organic and natural, and touching on subjects that anyone can connect to on a personal level, and and know that these are things that we made and that we wanted to tell, and uh, just honesty. We wanted to have a a clear connection with people through music, without gimmicks, without, you know, making up stories. Just get right to it.
0: Good answer. I tried. (laughs) You did. (laughs) And that's why you were doing the interviews. John, it's been great having you on The Antidote. And thanks for coming on, and best of luck with the new album.
1: Thank you, sir. Hey, have a great one, man.